Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Who Are You podcast by BiotropicLabs.com, sports performance supplements for people who move. Use the code PODCAST20 if you want to try something out. The burden of proof is on me. And as always, a satisfaction guarantee. I've got a Who Are You today, one of my very good friends for quite some time. Very humble guy. He's not going to like this little bit of an intro here, but he's a famed financial markets trader, and his name is Courtney Smith. Hey, Courtney, thanks for showing up today and hanging out with me for a bit. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. Just to be clear, everybody, you know, I'm, I'm a technician. I don't do any fundam- very minor fundamental analysis, but the value is really being shown here today because another case that you just pointed out where you can look forward and have on your plate, your, your strategy plate, yet another thing to be thinking about and looking for and be aware of rather than just studying charts, which are relatively flat. There's an argument and it's a valid one that charts can help predict the future by looking at the past. This is true. But fundamental analysis the way Courtney is describing it today, really sets your strategy plate up. So you have several things you can be thinking about and looking at and be more prepared for. But the other thing you said that I like a lot is you let the market tell you. And it's critical to let the market speak to you to be your mentor, so to speak, or to be your teacher, or to be your navigator, let's say. Yes, and yes. for you to be a good co-pilot. And so many people don't do that. And so I let the technical analysis tell me when to get in. And that's not right now, not as we're doing this interview. It's not to go short, but I'm ready to go short when the market tells me to. All right. So for the sake of education here, everybody seems to understand and the public is largely long when the market is good. They buy, they buy their stock and they get long and they ride the wealth up and they don't still today understand how they make money when the market's going down. They just go to the sidelines or they go to bonds. They do something safe. They don't understand that a rising market in terms of investing and trading is really no different than a falling market, but they don't have that education. They don't know this. Well, how do you address that? I'm going to go back to something you said earlier. There's an old saying that the bulls take the stairs and the bears take the elevator. (laughs) Bear markets are short and swift, but bull markets are long. Um, So we can make a lot of money in a much shorter period of time in bear markets. And there's lots of ways to play bear markets that make perfect sense. So for example, we now have things called inverse ETFs. They go up when the stock market goes down. So for example, even in an IRA, you're not allowed to short sell the market, you're not allowed to buy puts, but you are allowed to buy inverse ETFs. So if the market goes down 1%, you make 1% on the the, uh, inverse ETF, and there's actually leveraged ETFs, where if the market goes down 1%, you make 2%. So that's a real easy way right there is, and you can just Google inverse ETFs and there'll be a list of them on Google. So that's one way to do it. And then you can short sell individual stocks is another way. You can buy put options. There's many, many ways to make money on the downside. There's just many of them. Other than volatility, you can make money selling just as you do making money buying. It makes no difference. As, no difference. As we say in our classes, we swing bro- both ways. My own bias is I prefer to say I can hit left-handed or right-handed. Boy, what were you thinking? Yeah, okay. exactly. Exactly right. I was. What do you mean, what was I thinking? I was just giving you my preference. That's all. I did want to ask you this question. You can trade Standard & Poor Index. You can look at the Dow. You can look at NASDAQ. And they have these other indexes that are mini versions. It's the same thing. Just less risk if you're trading them less cost to get in and less risk. I've been trading the mini Dow and mini NAS. And I've noticed that the Dow Jones, the big, Na- the big Dow, the big NAS, and the S&P, all the big ones, have not yet 
reached, they're very close, they're maybe two, 3,000 away from their highs, 29,000, somewhere right in there. Yes. But I noticed that the mini NASDAQ has gotten all the way back to its high, which looks the same as these other ones, and higher. It yes. exceeded it. How does one exceed? Because they're all effectively, essentially the same thing. So how does one of them blow through its highs, indicating, hey, bear market's over and we're back to business as usual? Now, I know that's not true, but how does one exceed the others the way the mini NAS did relative to the three leading indices? How does that happen? What does that mean? Well, what happens is each index is constructed differently. So the Dow 30 is composed of just 30 stocks and it's weighted in an arithmetic way. The S&P is the 500 largest stocks and is uh, weighted by the market capitalization. And then the NASDAQ is also uh, market capitalization weighted, but it's mainly of technology stocks. So the S&P is very broad and is a better representation of the broad stock market and the broad economy. But the NASDAQ is much more technology stocks, uh, stocks like Google and Apple and you know Amazon, they're all on the NASDAQ. And so when you think of the NASDAQ, you think technology and technology stocks can continue to grow even in a recession. You know, Google can still keep making more money, whereas General Motors is in the S&P 500 and it's, it's flat on its back. It's not in the NASDAQ index. So that's why the NASDAQ has gone to new all-time highs and the S&P and the Dow are now uh, lagging behind all that. And is this why someone, another very, very famous market wizard who's going to come up now for the first time, William O'Neill, who is the publisher of Investors Business Daily, a brilliant man, a strong technician. He's got his own trading course that, like you, you're right there with the giants, man. Bill O'Neill uh, has got his uh, program and um, uh -huh. I actually took that program. But he says that in order to determine, and, and this has probably changed, it's been some time since I've studied him, but he used to say, and I'm sure he's still in range of this, that the Dow, the S&P, and the NAS have to make all of them confirm one another when all of them are up 2% or more that you have confirmation of a new bull market or a new bear market. Well, and, and he's right from this perspective, and this actually is an old Dow theory, right, where the transportations yeah. and the industrials both have to make higher highs for it to be a legitimate bull market. So at this point, all three have not made higher highs, but basically his concept, which goes back to the Dow theory, which is like 1910, is that if you have one index doing really well and the other one doing really badly, well, that's not sustainable. That's not sustainable. So I like the Dow, let me use the Dow theory because it's clear. If the industrials are making a higher high, but the transportations are not, well, how could the industrials, I mean, we're producing cars, but they're not being transported to the market? That doesn't make sense. You got to have both making higher highs. So the same thing here, if technology stocks are making a new high, but automobile companies are not, that's not a strong economy. That's a narrow parts of the economy doing well, but the broad economy is not. So that's really, I think, where it comes in. You want breadth of climbing prices to say this is sustainable. It's not just this little narrow group of stocks that are doing well. It's the whole stock market. And that's why he was looking at all three indexes. How do markets continue to go up? Now, Friday's different. We had a massive sell-off Friday. That would be June 19th, a big sell-off, very strong day. And then a massive sell-off across the board. The indices went down, crude went down, big sell-off on Friday. How does the market in general continue to go up while the economy is still in the dumps? Because the market looks to the future. 
and it looks six to 12 months down the road. So the market right now is saying, well, things are crappy now, but we, we had the bear market in February and March. So we've already discounted that. The economy is going to come back. The stimulus program is going to work. The Fed dropping interest rates to zero. It, Nirvana is coming, Craig. So the stock market should make new highs. So the market's looking six months down the road, 12 months down the road. It's not looking at today's price action. So uh, that usually confuses people, but that's why that happens. It's, it's a discounting of the future mechanism. Now, what, if anything, does Friday have to do with your view of the future and this continuing, let's just call it a, a bull uh, market here, at least in equities markets? What does Friday have to do with that? Because it was a hard, hard sell-off. Well, it was a hard sell-off only late in the day. Yes. So um, uh, we just have to see what will happen on Monday. It's a thing, but not a big thing at this point. Uh, remember a week or so ago, we had a huge gap down and a much more important day on the downside. That was more concerning to me than Friday's price action. But the fact is the S&P hasn't made a new high in a few weeks. And if it's a legitimate bull market, we should be making new highs right now. If we go down and break the lows at just over 29.50, I'm going to have to start thinking maybe my September, October time horizon for the bear move is, uh, is I got to move that time horizon up to next week. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? I know the fundamental case. Now I, I got to watch the price action to determine was two weeks ago the beginning of the bear market or is it going to take until September, October before it comes in? I don't care either way. I don't really care. I'm ready to get short the market. I'm ready to make money on the downside. Doesn't matter to me when it is at all. So uh, Friday to me was a thing Let's keep a look at it. We need to see if there's follow through on the downside. Uh, so we'll know by Monday, Tuesday, whether or not that occurs. And we're recording this on a Saturday. Let me ask you a question then. There's a lot of what they call smart money in the markets, uh, institutional traders and very, very smart people helping push this market up. They, as you pointed out, the markets look out six months to a year and sort of using a lot of fundamental analysis, uh, hope to predict where we're going. And so the market is going up on the basis of that potential positivity, yet they're fundamental analysts too. How can they know what we know and what we learned here today about the government fundamentals here that are not good? And you predicted that there would be a sell-off sometime this year, which, which you were right about. Very good job there, by the way. And yet push the market up. How can these people know what you know and know what we know and what we've learned today and yet say, well, to hell with it all. Let's, let's, let's bid up the market. So first of all, I'm going to disagree with the premise of the question that they know this. I would say that the fundamental analysis that I do is probably done by less than 1% or 2% of market participants. 70% of money in the market comes from mutual funds, pension funds, and they're not allowed to go short. They can only buy long. So I consider them dumb money. You know, I'm sorry, but that's your pension plan, Craig, but that's dumb money. Okay. Then you've got another 20% of the market is retail investors. That's dumb money too. I hate to say it because I teach retail investors. And I'm now a retail in investor. I'm not an institution anymore. So that only leaves 10% of the market that would be smart money. And that's usually hedge funds. Yep. They're not going to tell you what they're doing. And then you got to ask yourself, well, out of those 10%, some of those are distressed debt funds. Some of them are bond funds. So how many are really doing macroeconomic analysis? Well, we've mentioned some of them. Lewis Bacon does that. Paul Tudor Jones does that. There's not many. Uh, maybe George Soros does that, you know, Stanley Druckenmiller might do You see what I'm saying? Some of them are famous, but it's not a very large list of people that do this type of analysis that I do. 
What I like about your style is, and it's important for people to get grasp here, is that you're agnostic as to price direction. It's not relevant whether it's going up or down in terms of trading. You're just taking a position when the position says go long, and you're taking a position when the position says go short. Again, we mentioned this earlier. It's not relevant what direction the market's going. What's relevant is that you're trading that direction and making money while you're doing it. You're agnostic to price direction. Correct. Let me go back to it. My basic principle is I just do what the market tells me to do. And your systems allow you to take both directions. Correct. Correct. And the, and the systems tell me, what does the market want me to do? Buy or sell? Listen, if, if I break it down, I, I now don't even consider myself a trader. I'm a manager of trading techniques. I like I that. I sit down and I have these little techniques like channel breakout. And I say, well, is channel breakout making me money or not? I'm just an order taker for the market because I don't want my ego involved in the market. So I just say, I'm just an order taker for the market. That's one of my psychological tricks for divorcing my ego from my trading is to not consider myself a trader. I tell people I'm a trader because if I say I'm a manager of trading techniques, they think I'm some type of a crazy person. The point is I have to get my ego out of the game. I have to reduce it to zero, okay, when I'm trading. I can be a total egomaniac when I'm not trading, but when I'm trading, no ego, no ego at all. Do you have any systems that are better in bull markets and better in bear markets, or do all systems work just as well in each because the math is really the same? No. Um, in the, when we're talking about the stock market, most systems work better in a bull market because bull markets last longer and they go up more than in bear markets. Bear markets tend to be V-shaped, as we talked about it, whereas bull markets tend to be kind of lazy and move slowly higher, so they're easier to trade. So that gives your systems more time to collect and absorb the data. That makes in sense. In Forex, uh, I'm ambivalent. It doesn't matter because they okay. go up and down pretty much exactly the same. I want to recap where we go from here. You, you gave it to us a bit ago, but I want to just cover it one more time. Your view, it's the 20th of June. Where do we go from here? What do you think? And how can we protect ourselves if we need to protect ourselves? Where are we going from here, Courtney? My best scenario is that we're going to have another significant 35 to 50% decline in the stock market before the end of the year. Uh, my best guess is September, October, but it could occur tomorrow. So I need to be ready to act on that. I'm long stocks right now, making money on the long side, but I need to be prepared to take those profits and turn to selling stocks, uh, etc., as soon as tomorrow. I don't know. That's up, that's up to the market to tell me. When the market tells me, I'll switch gears. I think for most people, buying an inverse ETF is the easiest way to do it because they don't have to learn about short selling. They don't have to learn about futures contracts. They don't have to learn about options. They can just buy an, an inverse ETF. If you want to go to another level, we could short sell S&P futures. We could buy puts on SPY. Um, those would be more sophisticated ways to make lots of money on the downside. I always learn something from you. It's always great chatting with you. Uh, it's always a blast, man. I tell you, just too much fun. You're so smart. You know this stuff upside okay. down, inside out and backwards. You've worked with the giants out there. Once again, people can reach you how and where. Uh, CourtneySmith.com is the best place uh, to reach me, uh, learn more about what I'm doing. 
you know, I know known you as you said a couple decades, no longer, and I'm not going to say how long. It's been a joy being your friend, working with you, hanging with you, just talking. We have a lot in common. It's just always a blast. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy day. I know you're probably developing another system right now. Just love the fact that you could spend some time on a Saturday with me talking, and I know the audience is going to love you. And folks, this is the man right here. He's accessible and he's available. I strongly recommend that if these are the kinds of things you're interested in, this is the guy to reach out to. He's just so much fun. He'll talk to you, give you his time. It's a easy investment to make to reach out to Courtney. I strongly recommend you do. Courtney, thank you so much for taking the time. Maybe we'll do a wrap up. If we get a big hit or if we don't, either way, let's reconvene when we either have all-time highs or all-time lows. Something's going to happen. Let's do a redo here when we see what happens. Well, listen, thank you very much. I appreciate all those very kind words. People have to realize I've known Craig for many years and I think one of the main reasons is because of his honesty and integrity. So let me throw it right back at you. If Craig says something, it's true. And you may not like the truth, but he's going to tell it to you, okay? <laughs> let me go right back at you. I would highly recommend that you look at the products uh, for, for Craig's company because if he says something about them, I believe it. I simply believe it. I don't have to go any further in that. And to me, integrity is a, pretty much the highest value that I have, and Craig's got it, and not many people do. Thank you for having me on, Craig. I really appreciate it. Just so you all know, these are just friendly, mutual promotions. That's not the intent of this podcast. I just think you need to know how to reach Courtney if these things interest you. And Courtney, thank you for all of that. It's been a stone cold blast, buddy. We'll be in touch. Okay. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. You bet. Take care. Hello, folks. I really appreciate you taking the time to listen to all of these episodes here with renowned trader Courtney Smith. It's been a lot of fun and I'll see you on the next episode coming soon. You've been listening to the Who Are You podcast, brought to you by Biotropic Labs, sports performance supplements for people who move. Join us next time for another edition of the Who Are You podcast.